would you please rise and join me in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, I'd like to take roll call. Bartos? Here. Bender? Here. Berlin? Here. Gavlik? Here. Lesh? Here. Mansfield? Here. Church? Skeljack? Here. Vita Clout? Here. Is that it? That's everybody. Okay. Great, thank you. Um, next on our agenda is the approval of the October 25th 2022 meeting minutes unless there are any um, adjustments that need to be made to that I would make a motion to approve as uh, they were presented to us uh, earlier from uh, clerk Tabor hey Greg the only question I have is there's no um, substantial there's just some typos in that's them. fine we can we can correct that yeah okay so and, I second the motion okay motion to approve by Scaljack second by Berlin discussion roll call Bardos? Yes. Bender? Yes. Berlin? Yes. Gavlik? Yes. Lesh? Yes. Mansfield? Yes. Church? Skaljack? Yes. Vita Clow? Yes. Great. Motion passes. Eight yeas, no nays. Next on the agenda, a very brief chairman comment. Um, just this evening, um, we had planned to discuss um, Article 5, Sections 7 through 11. Um, the Board of Zoning Appeals, which is Section 7, um, their chairperson was unable to make it this evening, but he did ask. Um, he does want to present on our next meeting on November 29th, so we will push the BZA uh, discussion to the November 29th. We'll just add that to the agenda along with Article 6. Uh, will be discussed that evening. Um, and then the other sections we will um you know go through with uh as, as we've got planned on here and um we'll see what uh, reports we get uh in discussion this evening um next on the agenda is our discussions and interviews and presentations for article 5 which is the administrative officers departments boards and commissions sections 7 through 11 but obviously this evening we'll be uh, focusing on sections 8 through 11. Um, so again we're gonna skip the Board of Zoning Appeals this evening um, they will be here on the 29th and we will move to section 8 which is the Planning Commission I don't see anyone from planning here <laughs> uh, Laura did you hear from anybody at planning okay because nobody emailed me saying they would not be here so um, so I don't have anything um, from Planning Commission um, as far as that, but um, obviously our commission can discuss um, if you have any questions, comments um, as, as regards the Planning Commission section. Um, the only thing that um, in my reading of it um, that, you know, might want to talk about is um, and it's been discussed on other areas too and will probably come up in some of these other um, boards and commissions is um, a discussion on whether or not um, there should be a, a limit on how many terms a, a volunteer can can be on any of these boards and in particular starting with the Planning Commission um, as you'll see um, it's a, a five-year term um, and 
Laura, do you know offhand on the Planning Commission? I know some of the people have been on for several, several years. Um, I know when I was on council, uh, the vast sure. majority of them were I think a long time. Yeah, I think we've rotated a few mm -hmm. uh, new folks on. So um, if memory serves me correctly, Ron Pato and Dom Sharia have the, are the longest serving members right now with, I, I believe, north of 15 years probably. Oh, for sure they are, 20, yeah. 20, but wanted to hedge since I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, you've got um, two new members, so Mark Jansen and um, Lori Cardos. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Um, we just swore both of them in at the last planning commission meeting and um, one replaced Mike Bansu, who was only on for a couple of years, who moved out of the community, unfortunately, and the other replaced Monica Barkowitz, who we brought on um, late last year or late earlier this year, and then we wound up hiring her. So, and Mar Monica replaced Kirk Roman, who had mm -hmm. been on for yeah. 20 some years. Mm -hmm. So, you've got Dom, Pato, Eric Larmar, who's been five. He's probably been probably in his second term. I think he was on when I was on council at the right. end. Yeah. Um, who am I missing? I think. Mark so you've got, you've got uh, currently no. you've got a couple that have been on probably at least twenty right. years, and then um, others that are newer. Somewhere five in between. Plus yeah. Year. Five yeah. plus, yeah. A couple that okay. are new, and ones like maybe second term. Um, if I might, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, because this a, is a, a council right. appointment, so. If I might add. Um, a comment. I, I think that we've been served very well by folks on Planning Commission throughout the year, uh, throughout the years um, of my involvement in City Council. And, um, you know, the nice thing of having some folks that have been on from a longevity perspective who are still very engaged and extremely thoughtful in their commentary is that they um, can help look at the history and have some of the perspective of how we've been very methodical of developing different areas within the community, keeping the business district mostly at the south end, you know, et cetera. Um, so I think there's a benefit as long as you have someone who is engaged. Uh, and, you know, maybe analogous to an election, we have the opportunity, you know, to ask someone, you know, or to, to choose to not put someone back on if they're not doing a good enough job um, when their term is up. And, and quite honestly, I'm sure if there was a problem and we needed to take an action sooner, we could figure out how to do that as well, too. So it's an extremely important board. They're all important, but planning is an extremely important board, and we've been very well served by the volunteers who have come forth to be part of that board. Mm -hmm. And, and the only the other thing that I would add on on that for the commission to kind of understand, and while it's not a, there, there's not a um, quote unquote job description so to speak to be a member of the planning commission or or any of these boards or commissions, you know the planning commission is typically they we try and find people in the community who have as their work background whether it be construction engineering design architecture that type of stuff so um, obviously not everybody who serves on on planning commission is has that background but certainly there are a couple and have been a couple over the years um, and it, that is very very beneficial um, 
and I'm not saying I'm not suggesting that to put it in the charter, but what I mean is that you know if you have those kind of people, you know it may not be a good thing to have them kind of forced out, so to speak, by a term because you may not have a lot of you know people to choose from that can, that have that kind of a background. Again, I just I wanted to bring it up. Um, it has been mentioned, um, you know, from folks in the public and and things in the past as far as you know, potentially limiting how long someone on any of these boards or commissions, um, but starting with planning commission, you know, could, could be on it. Um, again, I don't, I, I'm, you know, not in favor of it one way or the other. I think it's served us great. Go ahead, Laura. Uh, uh, just for the um, commission's benefit, much like our discussion last week about the practices for hiring employees to the city, um, we have a pretty rigorous process for bringing folks onto all of our boards and commissions. So, <clears throat> much like this commission, right, we collect resumes, um, we hold interviews. Um, you know, during my term as council vice president and now president, um, typically it was the president of council and the vice president of council or others if, you know, schedules didn't permit, and we would go through resumes and amongst the team, including the mayor and potentially others, you know, select the candidates that we felt were the best qualified um, based on their resumes, could bring the most to a, a committee. Uh, we have a interview process and um, so it, it's a rigorous process. It's not just, you know, oh, I'm Laura Redinger's buddy and I'm gonna go on, you know, I'm gonna get recommended. So, um, you know, rest assured it is a, a very rigorous process. And um, a good problem to have is that we always have many, many candidates for these positions. So um, we really do get the cream of the crop for all of our boards and commissions. Hey Laura, quick question. Um, so after somebody's term, five-year term ends, do, do they go back into the pool with a, a handful of other candidates so that the, the council reviews all candidates at that time, or how does that work? So, sorry, typically, um, you know, we'll do a kind of look at, at about this time of the year, we'll start looking at whose terms are up, and we're, we'll, you know, do some evaluation amongst the leadership um, to see if someone, you know, has been effective and and certainly we'll have some conversations to make sure that someone wants to continue so it's kind of a little bit of push-pull um, and you know during my um, experience tenure you know we've replaced folks who've said you know what I'm, I'm done and that's okay right I mean they've been on for years and they decide that they're ready to move on so it kind of happens naturally um, there's a conversation and if someone's still willing to serve and they've done a nice job, then we would, you know, we're happy to generally have them continue to serve. So it's not like a, and I'm going to say election, like, no. it's not like, I, hey, I know that Laura's term is coming up on the, the planning commission. I would like to be on the planning commission. And then in Laura's and Mike's hats go in the, the no. ring. Yeah, it's no, just, it's, it's, it's not, okay. it's not. Typically, I've not experienced like that, Greg. I guess I would ask if it happened while you were uh, b before my time on council. Um, it's not like a, a re-interview, a okay. re-interview process. Yes. So. Laura, is, is there a um, 
any sort of communication that goes out to the residents that there is a opportunity to apply for any of the commissions? Absolutely. We, um, I, you know, of recent late, it goes in the mayor's emails. It gets put on the website. Um, we announce it at meetings. Um, so yes, there's a communication up front to collect resumes. And then there's also a communication on the back end. Um, we have letters that go out to folks that have not been selected. You know, we, in some situations, we make phone calls. So it just really, we, we try to, you know, we're grateful and thankful that we have such a interest in participating in, in our process and our government. And Dan, usually there's several resumes, if for lack of a better term, that are kind of stacked up, you know, throughout the years or year that, you know, people are interested and they say, hey, if anything ever opens up, I'm more than happy to help on a board or commission or this one in particular because of my background or my interest or, or what have you. So there's usually people that council can, you know, look into and contact if mm -hmm. there's an opening, whether, you know, by someone voluntarily saying I'm not interested in doing it anymore or someone, you know, council saying eh, we need some new blood or, uh, you know, someone a little bit stronger to, to serve in there. So, yeah, having candidates is usually not a big issue. Finding the right candidates is what you want to be, you know, concerned sure. with. So, and, and again, um, you know, I only brought that up just as something that, you know, is on the list of things that people have, you know, talked about um, recently or, you know, and in the past. So I don't know if the commission has any thoughts or comments on, you know, limiting how many five-year terms someone can go for planning commission or not. Again, I'm not suggesting that we do that. Just wanted to bring it up. Anything? Um, anything on uh, any of the? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. We started without employees. Yeah, I apologize. That's Oh, okay. Come on up. <laughs> Just the person we. Yeah. Need. Are you now the chair, Eric? I am. Okay. So Eric Larmer is the chair of our planning commission, and um, sorry we started that. I yep. I didn't. Uh, so you sneak in there. <laughs> so, um, Eric, if there's anything that you want to add um, as far as giving the commission a little background on what planning commission does, what your responsibilities are, how the process works, and um, if you or anyone on um, planning believes anything should be, you know, considered on a change in the charter, um, as far as, you know, the section pertaining to the planning commission, um, we're all ears and appreciate you being here. Sure. So... Our, our process, um, as applicants make their application to the city, it goes in through the building department. They do their part of the process. About a week before each meeting, we get a packet. That packet has an agenda, all the items that, have, that will be on our agenda, uh, the applicant information, and then a write-up. So the write-up's done um, by the zoning coordinator. That person puts that together. So that comes then in front of us each applicant comes in at that evening, makes their presentation, we review through it, um, and make our recommendations from there. In support of that, we have uh, Mr. Wise, the city engineer, so he's at the meetings, um, provides, uh, I'd say, a very effective level of, of, of engineering support on that. And the zoning coordinator, there's been a few different people in the role, and all have pri provided um, from from my perspective very effective explanation and, and serving of the process um, 
as I sat down, you were talking about the terms and, and should there be a limitation. Um, I, I would use, for example, uh, Mr. Pato has been on for a long time. Yep. And I think if we were to limit terms, we would be doing ourselves a disservice if uh, just he, he's very effective, he's very knowledgeable, there's the history of the community, he's got a good sense of design, he's got a good sense of um, understanding. So using him as an example, I, I think uh, limiting terms would um, lessen uh, that's also stating we don't know who would go in in this place, sure. but um, mm -hmm. I, I think some of that information, we've had different people change over. I've been there for approximately, not sure if I'll say about 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been some changeover, different people have come in, different people have come out. Um, I don't think that, let me rephrase, everybody that's been on the board has contributed effectively in some manner or another everybody's brought a different perspective everybody's brought different background different approach and different knowledge um, so the vetting process I'm not part of uh, but whoever's doing it I think is doing an effective job because we've had um, different people um, so I'm an architect uh, Mr. Pato's an architect we've had legal we've had uh, developer backgrounds we, we, construction lots of different perspectives that support what it is that we're overseeing and I think everybody that's come in has provided effective leadership in their own said we'll say area of knowledge and expertise great thank you is there anything that the Planning Commission would recommend to the Commission here to you know discuss further as far as anything that's in the Charter that affects uh, your Commission um, I, I did not ask that question to the commission, so mm -hmm. I, I, I can't speak for the rest of them. Mm -hmm. uh, I think with any, with any ordinances as, as such as our planning uh, is written, effectively written ordinances will say span the test of time. Um, and I th so then we walk that line of do we revisit what we have or is it written well a couple of years ago a group came in and wanted to revisit um, alternative energy sources uh, solar panels and such and and we went through a process with this group and, and I bring that up only because that's just this one fragment of of the ordinances are there other areas that could be investigated and looked at They've been in place a long time. We've um, revisited certain things regarding signage, um, the solar panels, some things along that line. Um, I don't, I can't identify a shortfall. Mm -hmm. So I'm not speaking to any specific item, but just wondering out loud a little bit since that's what we're covering. Um, do we, is, take portions of it to revisit to look at what we're um, asking of applicants what we're, is it still written in a manner that I mean just the quality of presentations that can be done now do we update to look for things that are more appropriate in the times you know nobody's 
drawing and pencil or things anymore, but right. also not wanting to leave people out that may not have the computerized sophistication. There, I, I guess I would say there might be value to going back and taking a look at some of the application requirements. And that's more through the building department, though, would that not be correct? correct? Through yes. your, yeah, as far as, as opposed to anything with the charter. Can you, um, for the commission's sake, um, and either you or Laura or combined, explain sort of the process of when something goes to planning commission, whether planning commission, you know, uh, gives their sign off on it, gives their um, approval recommendation or their disapproval recommendation, how that works. Um, is there a binding authority from the planning commission? Does it have to go through council so that we can understand that process? Because it is a little different between some of the boards and commissions as we'll discuss in the future. Sure, so it comes in front of us. We put up on the agenda, they make their presentation, they being the applicant, um, we'll discuss it in the realms if there's any interpretations within the ordinances, is it appropriate for the place, location, or appropriate for what they're applying for. Um, there are times where we'll make recommendations that somebody revise certain things and come back, or we'll make motion to approve for whatever it is that they're applying, preliminary or final approval. We are a recommending body, so our approval is not binding. We, we make an approval recommend, <clears throat> recommendation to council. So um, the council representative on the commission will then make that presentation to council that this is what the commission did, planning commission reviewed, this is their recommendation, and then council uh, takes their action. So they, I'm not on the council part, but my understanding is they can either accept our recommendation or they can reject it and, and make their own or send it back to us. And perhaps you can speak more on, on that side of it. So um, I would concur. Or can you use the, the mic? With, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, yeah, so city council takes the recommendations from planning commission and votes on them as a, you know, an affirmative or a negative. And I um, can't recall something that came to us that was recommended by planning commission that we didn't vote on. Um, so I think before it gets to council, there's a lot of back and forth between planning commission and applicants, you know, to get it right. So that when it is recommended to council, there's generally, you know, there's, there's a high probability of um, approval. Now, it's certainly, hopefully we don't see some, you know, discourse between the two organizations, but it's a very close interaction. Um, and again, given the process, you know, some of the complex projects, it takes, you know, multiple six months worth of visits to the Planning Commission to get something where they're at the point of recommending. And, you know, some stuff, it's one meeting and there's, you know, not a lot of discussion. So complexity of a project certainly dictates a more in-depth process and more interaction and give and take. Um, certainly quite a few of the projects that we have going on now are quite a bit of interaction <laughs> and months worth of work. Is that the same for rejection as well? Or does it stop, does it ever get to council if, you, if the planning commission says no? No, if it okay. doesn't get recommended by the planning commission, then it's it stops. So there are occasions where folks can't come to an agreement 
or the council is the recommendations or the or the recommendation dated changes to an applicant are not something that an applicant is willing to go forward with so then they might just not move forward or withdraw so. what about if um the, the applicant, um, do they have options, for lack of a better term? Um, let's say there's a zoning, um, they want to change a zoning, okay? And um, planning commission says, no, we don't agree with that. Um, we're not recommending that to council. The applicant, um, they have options, is that correct? It doesn't just die there. They can take it. On them on themselves and Dave maybe you can answer that if, if they don't know but an applicant can um, put something on the ballot without planning commission approval is that not correct Correct. it's called an initiative petition okay and they can petition the residents and, and if they obtain a certain percentage of residents who are voters on signatures it'll go on the ballot so an applicant, they do have an option that is that does not require filing a lawsuit. To, you know that they can try and go out on their own, and usually that does not pass. But they do have that option. Then, okay, I just wanted to clarify that. Okay. Um, does anybody else have any questions for planning commission? Anyone? Mike, go ahead. I just have a question about the master plan. It's referenced in the charter, and it's been talked about in the city previously. But it, I was just wondering. Is the master plan something that's scheduled to be updated like the charter? So the charter, ha it, it, by charter, the charter commission has to review the charter every 10 years. Is the master plan something that's updated regularly or on a schedule, as far as we know? I'm not aware of a schedule, um, but an example is, uh, the, you know, just a piece of a master plan as we did a Blossom Hill master plan, uh, 2011 or 12. <laughs> Something like that. Mm -hmm. To jog your memory, um, and certainly then that you know that was updated as we kind of moved forward through the process of planning the um, the new aquatics facility. So I'm not aware of any set schedule, Dave. I don't know if you. No, there isn't any one. set schedule. So it's. <coughs> and I was my thoughts were if if the charter is something that we review every year, should the master plan be reviewed every so often? For some of the things you mentioned, things have changed, et cetera. It's just a thought question. Well, I, th I think that they do have, um, I don't know, I want to say currently, but certainly within the last couple of years, I believe there was a, a third party, uh, I don't know if it was a county party or what, that was um, paying and helping us to review that. Laura, do you know any yeah, details? Yeah, it was the, you're right, Greg, it was the... Um, Oh, was, it, was it NOACA or something? Through within the county. Um, county that, Planning Commission. Yes. So, was it through um, Planning Commission, Dave? Yeah, County okay. Planning Commission. Oh, okay. So, um, I mean, it's, even if it's not like stamped, updated every 10 years, I mean, it's something that we're constantly talking about as, you know, development is going on within the community. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the master plan is basically being discussed anytime the planning commission is meeting and talking about, a, you know, any type of a development or, or you know, construction or change in zoning. Um, and again, those things have to be, you know, any change of zoning has got to be voted on, right. you know, by the people. But um, 
you know, that's kind of where that starts the discussion if planning commission and or council or the administration is starting to see um, hey we're getting a lot of requests or things are changing with you know home offices or the types of business that people are going into and gee we don't really have the proper zoning in place to attract that or to allow our folks to do that then let's you know bring that up and get that discussed um, you know get get that ball rolling with the planning commission to then have them look at it, make some recommendations, and kind of go from there. Yeah, and to go along with that, I was just wondering, does the master plan sit underneath planning and zoning like the charter sits under the operations of the city? So does it carry the same weight as far as uh, the planning commission fo follows the guidelines of the master plan so that it's not opinionated or anything like that? It, there's, yeah. there's a foundation underneath the planning uh, commission just like the charter sits underneath the city no the planning commission is just the planning commission is just a guideline the true the true authority in planning starts with mr. Larmer's um, commission the planning commission actually is the um, how shall I say planning experts of the community okay and anytime I am involved in a lawsuit filed by a disgruntled applicant, the Planning Commission, the council is the final approval, but the Planning Commission is usually, and their discussion and their decisions is, is usually the basis of what the court looks at. Courts understand that councils are political in nature and don't have the, they have the expertise in their area, but Mr. Larmer and his, Commission really are the planners of the city, and they can file the guide. They can follow the guidelines, but if they get a development that they think betters the city and is different from the guidelines, they can go forward on that. So it's really their discretion as they proceed. And if you knew the members on the planning commission that have been there, as Mr. Larmer has, they're they're invaluable when it comes to any litigation because they are the ones who I will call are in the planning trenches for the city. You've got, you've got engineers, architects, people that, that do this for a living and they understand the process and they understand construction and they understand development. And uh, I'm actually pleased to say I'm very rarely requested to go there. They're so good. <laughs> Unless there's a scrape or dispute coming their way and then I will uh, attend and it's been very rare. Uh, but even when I don't attend, when we do have the very few lawsuits that we've had, Mr. Larmer and members of his committee have been invaluable to me as to explain their rationale for their decisions and their recommendations. Mr. Larmer, could you just explain for the commission, um, you know, like when a proposal comes in and it meets 90% of the zoning codes or the building codes, but there's some things that don't quite fit you can give a variance to it, correct? Correct. Um, so can you explain that process so that the commission members understand that? Um, I guess there's a couple avenues. There, there's things that fall within our commission. Correct. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll use, for example, um, solar panels. I brought that up earlier. So our ordinance says they can't be on the front face of the house. We can't approve um, that deviation if 
let's say it's a funny road and the house faces somewhere where nobody else sees it, we can approve that even though the ordinance says it can't be on the front. Sure. Um, there are other th items that then require uh, that they go to the Zoning Board of Appeals. Right. So items that would fall outside of our, our realm, that would go to the, the Board of Appeals. They can get the zoning variance through them. Um, but the items that fall within our range, um, we, as long as I've been part of the commission, we've made, um, and even long before I was chairman, we, we've always made a very um, strong effort to communicate with the applicants of what it is that we're looking for. So even when they come in, they say we want A, we'd like to see something more in, towards B. Um, <coughs> we've always either come to common ground to something that we'll approve or people have chosen to withdraw. Um, in all the years that I have been on it, I can only think of one that we went all the way through and just voted no. And, and I think that's a testament of the people that have been on the commission and the ability to communicate what it is that is appropriate for our community and, and getting people to come to that common ground and getting people to um, adapt what they want with what we want and, and, and get to something that's agreeable to all parties. <coughs> So when, when that's possible, we've done that. Okay. Great, thank you. Um, any other questions, comments for Planning Commission? Anyone? Okay, thank you, Eric. Thank you for your time and your information. Appreciate it. Okay. Okay, great, thank you. And please uh, let the Planning Commission know if, if any of them have anything in particular you know this process is still ongoing they can you know either come to a meeting or send us an email or whatever they want and we'll look into stuff for them all right okay. i will bring it up to the commission and if anybody has anything to contribute yep we can bring that forward great thank you thank you thank you um, moving on to section nine which is the uh recreation commission is anyone from recreation here this evening i don't see anybody um does anyone on the commission have anything, um, questions, comments, things to possibly consider for the Section 9 Recreation Commission? The only question I have, Mr. Councilman, is in regards to, um, on all of these actually, the comment of any cause of a vote that someone can be removed, mm -hmm. that just seems like very wide open mm -hmm. and vague. Of so I didn't know if that's something that we might want to address. Okay. I'll note that down. So that's the any clause for removal? Yep. Okay. Um, the only thing that I uh, kind of saw in here um, was um, following up on that, on the removal, um, I believe that the rec commission section is the only one where it, it takes approval of four members of council and all the other ones were five. Um, I don't know if there was a history or a reason why that was. Um, is it because the mayor is not on this one? I mean, are you, are some no. of them the mayor's on and some of them are? No, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I just thought that was kind of odd that that was the only one. and. 
you know, on something like a removal, I, I mean, I would think that you'd want more than just a simple majority mm -hmm. uh, on that. I mean, certainly the other boards and commissions are set up the same way. Um, so that was one thing that I that I noted on there. And then again, just the in general, the discussion on, you know, whether there's a, you know, a number of terms that, mm -hmm. you know, to, to limit. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah. And then I think the one thing I noticed, too, is uh, the Recreation Commission has a director who is a employee of the city and it is the one of the one, one of the commissions in here that isn't listed like director of public safety law director yeah. etc it just says recreation commission and so it seems out of place for consistency that you know should it say recreation director and then recreation commission because it's not standard language I think that the history on that, and we could ask the mayor or maybe, I don't know if Mr. Maddie knows the answer, but I think that the history on that, the reason that you have those particular department heads listed is those are the things that are, they were felt are absolutely needed to run the city, whereas recreation, human services, maybe not as much. mandatory as much, so to speak. I mean, obviously they're very important, um, and we can't imagine a city with, without that, but you know, fire, police, safety, service, the mayor, the council, I mean, those are the, and law director, not to minimize you, Dave, obviously, I did not forget about you. <laughs> but, um, you know, those are the, and finance director, those, those are the, you know, priority ones. Laura, do you have a comment? Well, so the mayor sits on um, zoning, planning, he attends when available, recreation, human services, what am I forgetting? Which isn't, wait, sorry. Um, civil service, mayor's on. I mean, so I think it's, was your point, Mike, that a consistent the same level of yeah, like from the city? The same level, well, I know this charter's been around a long time, right? But for consistency as it gets updated, just to be consistent in layout form, and just the difference between the director of finance versus the director of recreation are they peers in the city greg to your point is well director of finance is a necessary role maybe the director of recreation serves at the request of council or mayor or whomever and it may be a temporary position because we didn't always have a director of recreation correct right well i mean i i think someone from i think the idea is someone from the administration should be part of these commission meetings so whether it's the mayor or one of his directors i mean that's practically speaking so i don't know that i, mean, I think that's what we're doing now Dave, i'm not sure if it, do you think there's uh, too much there's too much vagueness to it or if it, well, and it doesn't require the recreation director to be in the rec commission it's no because it doesn't really right. it doesn't it, say it, doesn't, it does it, i don't even know if it it references, I'm reading over it again, but I don't see that it references a director of the no. Recreation Commission. The commission, the Recreation Commission looks like any other commission. Yep, it's that, a recommending board. But there is a director of recreation, and are they tied to the Recreation Commission? Maybe that's a better question. Or do they, are they guided by, it, does the Recreation Commission guide the director of rec? No. No, I, I would say the Recreation Commission might make recommendations to the director, but that director is, one that's appointed, and we have a whole chapter in the ordinances, is appointed by the mayor and confirmed by council. 
and actually serves at the pleasure of the mayor. Um, uh, it, it is a little different than some of the other um, um, positions that we have in the charter. I, I don't necessarily think that a recreation director, um, and I would have to check other charters, but that's usually an ordinance created position. Okay. Some of the communities have a part-time director, some have a full-time, uh, but the Recreation Commission is, is, is like the recommending body for certain items uh, and works with the rec director, but uh, the director actually is in charge of, she's, right now, she's the administrative officer in charge of the department. I guess I have okay, a very ahead. basic question, like what does the Recreation Commission discuss? What is their, what, what do they do? Mm -hmm. they, make, they make suggestions on fees for the programs, they make suggestions on programs, they make suggestions on use of facilities, uh, and the rec uh, director is the one who would be, um, the one who would come to council with those uh, recommendations along with um, currently Councilman Ganim, who is the council representative to the commission. Um, so they are, um, they actually do get involved in more than you would think, uh, Denise, as mm -hmm. far as programs, fees, um, fees as opposed to our residents, non-residents, use of the facilities, mm -hmm. what equipment do we need in the facilities, what equipment is used in the facilities, um, and um, those kind of things. Maintenance of the facilities, maintenance of the staff that take care of the facilities, you know, uh, part-time help for all the programming. Um, it's, it's more extensive than, okay. than you would think. The other thing that the rec commission does um at least when i served on it as a volunteer and then obviously on on council and i believe i'm sure it's still the same way it's really a great conduit for the public um to either a come to those meetings and you know air their issues make up bring up their suggestions on things but really those six members of the commission i mean usually they're people that have been selected um, who are heavily involved in recreational things, whether it be adults or their kids, um, and really have their, you know, a feel of the heartbeat of what's going on recreationally, um, both with our programs, what they see other communities doing when they travel to those communities. And it's a good way to, you know, feed some of the, the public info to the recreation <coughs> department director, and obviously then you know to council for anything that needs to potentially okay. you know be done. So okay, um, okay. yeah. Um, and then I guess she did submit recommend or her suggestions. One of them was limiting the amount of meeting or decreasing the amount of meetings that they are required to have. That's not in the charter, so I'm assuming that that's in the the ordinance that was created. Yeah. She has authority to Yeah, she can. Okay, can so she that. can just do it on her own. Okay, mm -hmm. and then the other thing was that she wanted to increase her spending limit. Yeah, and that is in your ordinance, though, but for her specific, for the recreation department. Yeah, we'll get into the spending stuff when we do um, Article 6, okay. the finances, because that's where all that stuff will come up. So, so Denise, just, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just relative to the meetings, I didn't see the director's email um, or the recommendations, but practically speaking is summertime gets really hard and that's exactly what are she said and very busy with um, children involved in activities or vacations mm -hmm. and stuff and so um, that it just oh just yeah caused a, mm -hmm. has a tendency to cause some consternation mm -hmm. yeah the commission sets their own meeting 
schedule, so to speak, so the, how many they want to meet. So the commission sets it. So the commission and the recreation director are separate entities. For sure. And have no direct ties to each other within the city is what I'm hearing because the commission stands at, is the commission. The rec director is an employee of the city. The commission can funnel things to the recreation director, but that doesn't mean the recreation director has to act upon them. And the recreation director doesn't have to submit requests to the recreation commission to get things approved for her department. No. It's truly a sounding board for all things recreation um, to, as a funnel for the, the community. So okay. it's just like our other, just like the planning commission where we've got varying um, backgrounds to help create a broad pool of um, insight for the Recreation Commission. We, t and we, do, we tend to have people that have varying ages of children with different, you know, so that we, you're getting a cross-section of people amongst different ages and adults that are participating in our programming so that you have a voice to the community. So you've got some people with small kids, some people with middle school, you know, you've got the spectrum. So, and this is just for clarification as I read through this thing. So the Recreation Committing, the Recreation Commission doesn't necessarily make recommendations like planning or boarding zone of appeals or they for, they're more like the telecommunications committing where they're, where they're, a, they're a commission, they're, they're there, they have some input, but they're not making. Um, no, they, they can't, they can make uh, a recommendation up. I mean, it goes up through the rec director but um so it goes through the well like when they come and present it to council it comes through the rec director and if the rec director didn't want to do it or didn't think it was a good idea then she doesn't have to i'm just <laughs> yeah, asking yeah i mean I, I i guess in theory and a lot of the things would fall that. under her authority right yeah i remember last year i have my oldest daughter was in first grade playing basketball i was listening in one of the rec commission meetings uh nicole kern who sits on was the, well, let me backtrack. The thought was put out there, let's combine the boys and girls because we don't have a, a lot of people registering, probably due to COVID and things of that nature. And she said, you know, I have a daughter. If she played, you know, with second grade boys, it would have not been a good experience for her. And they opted to keep them separate. And I appreciated that, having my daughter having played both all girls and co-ed and kind of seeing that. So I think that's an example of, hey, here's, here's my experience. Here's what we're seeing. This is what I recommend, and then that's something that the, the recreation director would not have to take to council, and that's just something that gets handled within the recreation department. Mm -hmm. Correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think you have to think of the recreation director. She's the administrative officer in charge of all those employees in recreation, full-time and part-time. She's no, she's no different than um, Chief Samiska here. She's got a staff that she has to uh, not only coordinate everything through, but work with, and at the same time, be the supervisor. And that's, uh, that takes quite a bit of her time up. If the Rec Commission has other suggestions, at least as far as programs, et cetera, she has the final say because she also has to have the staff to do those programs uh, appropriately. She also has to be responsible for the vetting of coaches and the, um, how shall I say, the culture of recreation, which is different than the culture of what I would call travel sports, where it's more competitive. Recreation is for everybody, and participation is the main goal. So that commission can help her with that, 
but her duties have to function tunnel vision on my staff, do I have this person or that person? Is this person performing? Is that person not? Because she's responsible of coming to council for her budget and the people that she needs full-time. And that's probably the one department that we have more part-time than anybody, uh, any other division. And of course, in today's world, lifeguards are hard to find. We do have the facilities, but you have to have the staff to be able to run the facilities. So whether it be baseball, basketball, swimming, or whatever, her hands are really into that part of it. Uh, and programming is, you know, it, as you said, Daniel, sometimes programming comes from a source because of their own family experience. And, and um, you know, our, our recreation director is not only very open to listening, but she's, she's a, you know, she's only been here a short time, but she's a, she's a pretty good administrator. Uh, and when she suggests something to council, she has to have the money, the staff, and explain the program. And it's council's call um, whether they want to go down that road or not. And it's a, it's a working relationship that they have with the commission. Yeah. And that's where the rec commission would come in if she said, hey, I'm thinking of, you know, starting XYZ program. What's the commission feel on it? Yeah, it sounds good. Or mm, I've never heard of that. Or I don't know that that would be successful. And so when she comes to council with those types of you know ideas, or comes to the mayor with those ideas, she can say, well, you know, the rec commission supports it. You know, so on and so forth. So it's just a it's another sounding board. Um, you know, they, the rec commission has no binding authority with any decision that that they make. Um, they're truly just a, a recommending body okay. um, and, a, and a sounding board. Yeah, and the only reason I asked a bunch of these questions because it's not explained that the relationship mm -hmm. is not explained in the charter. Yeah, and and or I don't know if it's aware in the city. Um, just a no, not to continue, but it's a it's a meaningful role within the you know mm -hmm. the position is a meaningful role. Just I just pulled out my budget book from last for 2022, and you know the total expenditures for the recreation department. Approaching three million dollars, so it's a, it's a meaningful, right? You know, P and L segment of of the community. Take a look, um, Michael, at Chapter One Thirty Six of our code. It's the Department of Recreation. It'll give you a feel for um, the Recreation Director and and what the Recreation Department's all about. Perfect. Thanks, David. Okay, so in recreation, I, I'm listing here as things the the any cause uh, is a potential topic to uh, to discuss, and and that's something that can can be on, on all of them, correct? Um, and then the number of members of council to um, approve the removal from four to five. Um, are there any other items um, or any other questions regarding um, the recreation commission? Okay, great, thank you. Um, section 10 then is the Civil Service Commission. Um, I don't know that anyone from the actual commission, are, is anyone here from that? No, I know we have our police and fire representatives here and um, I'll let them kind of take the floor, talk about their departments and then their um, relationships and, and duties and how the Civil Service Commission works and um, we'll kind of go from there. So. Want to come on up, guys? And I don't know which one wants to take the floor first. 
Okay. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. My name is uh, Stan Karinic, and I'm with the uh, Chief of Police with the Brexville Police Department, and uh, I just want to thank you all for allowing me to uh, present to you. Thank you. Um, I just went down the five questions that were asked, mm -hmm. so I'll just go over the organizational structure of our department real quick. Uh, the safety director is the ultimate authority over the police department, uh, and then under him is the chief of police, and the chief is responsible for day-to-day -day operations of the department. Underneath the police chief are two lieutenants. Uh, we have an operations lieutenant and an administrative lieutenant. Operations lieutenant is in charge of our patrol division, uh, investigative division, and our juvenile division. Uh, the patrol division consists of four platoons, uh, one sergeant and four patrol officers per platoon. The canine unit is also under the uh, patrol division. Uh, we do 12-hour shifts, so we need four shifts or platoons to uh, satisfy that schedule. Uh, under the investigative uh, division is our detective bureau. Currently we have two detectives assigned uh, to the de detective bureau. Uh, they'll take investigations that require further follow-up or that are, you know, the crime is a little bit more serious and th that the road officers couldn't handle or they could handle it but they just don't have the time because they have to provide <coughs> law enforcement uh, service to the citizens. Juvenile Division consists of two SRO school resource officers. One is currently at the new elementary school and one is at the middle school in Broadview Heights. We entered into an MOU with the, broad, or the school district to provide an SRO at the school. They are funding a portion of his salary to allow him to be there. Uh, our administrative lieutenant, he wears many hats uh, and he's gonna be retiring here pretty soon so it's gonna be tough to replace him. But, uh, he is in charge of our records division. We currently have two records clerks. Uh, they satisfy records requests, um, handling and filing uh, case files and things of that nature. Uh, when people come in to go to tow release, they, they release the vehicle or the tow to them. Um, we also, he's also in charge of our jail. Our jail is a temporary holding facility, but we still have to meet certain standards with the state and he's responsible that we meet those standards. Uh, he's also in charge of our community engagement. Uh, our community engagement, we don't have any full-time officers. We have two officers that um, have a collateral duty. There, uh, one is a SRO, the other one is a platoon sergeant. Uh, but they handle like uh, requests for training. We do Alice training, active shooter training. Uh, we do coffee with a cop, things of that nature. They'll handle that, coordinate that. They don't necessarily always participate in it, but they make sure that people are there to participate in it. Um, he's also, uh, the administrative lieutenant is also in charge. Uh, he's a liaison to our uh, CVD dispatch, our uh, dispatch agency that we use. So he works with them day to day for issues, you know, complaints or, or things that we could improve our service. Uh, so he does a good job there. And he's also part of our professional standards bureau. And all that is, is when we get complaints, he has to investigate them. Um, so that's, that's the, uh, administrative or I'm sorry the organizational structure of our uh, of our agency we also have a training division and there's really no one in charge of that because we're so small uh, many officers wear many different hats uh, the patrol division or the patrol uh, operations lieutenant is in charge of our training division um, but we all pitch in and help with that 
Um, as far as working well with other departments, I could sit here for hours and tell you how we work well together. I know the fire department, we respond to calls with them, uh, assist them uh, with squad calls if they need it. We're there at fires. Uh, we'll help them stage equipment uh, before they get their full implement there just to help them out. Uh, we'll help them with uh, scene security, traffic control. When we get a bad accident on the interstate or, or the roadway, they'll come out with their engine and block the road for us and protect the scene. Uh, so we work hand in hand with them. They provide our CPR, AED, and first aid training. Uh, we provide some training for if they have a combative patient, uh, you know, how to do some soft uh, control techniques to make sure that the patient doesn't injure themselves worse and our as department are safe as well. Um, service department, we work well with them. Um, if they need some traffic control, they usually have their own, but if they have a big project, they'll ask us to assist and we will. Uh, if we have like natural disaster or power outage, we'll ask them to assist and they'll bring out uh, temporary traffic control devices. We work very well with them. Um, I know I personally will reach out to Ron Weidig or Matt Thomas and ask them for some help on an issue that we have. It's not necessarily a service department responsibility, but they've never said no and they always help us out and they help us solve problems. So uh, it's a good combination. Human services, uh, they'll, they provide services to our residents and sometimes that resident won't answer the phone or answer the door. They'll ask us to go out and make a welfare check. So we assist them that way. And there's other times when we come upon a resident or even a non-resident uh, who might be having a mental health crisis or a medical issue that it, it's not an imminent or immediate uh, where they're in immediate danger, but they could use some resources. We'll make some referrals to Steve and, uh, and his staff and they'll put us, point us in the right direction or get the help that the person needs. So, um, Recreation department. <clears throat> we have uh, helped them out with a few things that were, weren't necessarily law enforcement related, but they asked for our assistance, so we'd go over there and we would help them solve the problem. And uh, they help us out because we host training. Uh, we, the department is beautiful, and we have that nice training room, but it is limited in size. If we have a, a large training uh, event, we ask them for their venue, and they're excellent. Uh, the hospitality they show us is great. Room set up, we got hot coffee, it, it's, uh, it's really good. Um, I'm trying to think of any other departments that I have written down here. I'm sorry, I prepared some answers. I just want to make sure I touch on all of them. Uh, building department. Uh, many times we get neighbor disputes, and it's usually over a property line or someone's cutting down a tree on a property line. We'll reach out to them and say, hey, could you help us out here? And uh, they'll give us the proper help. Uh, they also have problems where sometimes a person might not get that permit and they become a little irate, so we'll come on over and they'll help them out. Uh, so we work well, and Scott helps. I, I go to Scott on, on a bunch of things, um, and uh, he, he provides assistance and guidance. So uh, the only commission that we really work with is the Civil Service Commission, uh, and we work with them with some frequency. Uh, I know historically, and with this current Civil Service Commission, uh, it's been a very uh, seamless and, and good process, and they've really helped us to uh, establish eligibility lists and get us the, the, the tests and stuff that we need to ensure that we're hiring the best people for the positions that are open. Uh, they also um, help us with our uh, promotional process in getting the tests um, and, and interviews that we need 
and we're promoting the best people. So we work really well with them. The only, um, as far as the other questions, none of our duties overlap or anything like that. I would say that um, what we do and, and uh, our abilities, we use our abilities to come together and solve the problems, but they don't overlap. They enhance each other. Um, all right. Just want to make sure I'm, I apologize. We do believe our department's effective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could come up with all kinds of crime statistics and stuff that we've had, but we do believe that, that it is effective. Um, uh, concerns <laughs> about the charter. The only thing with the Civil Service Commission is we're going to request that they consider uh, establishing a lateral transfer program. Uh, it's very difficult to recruit and, and hire people. Uh, our last test, we had 16 uh, people come out and take the test. Uh, I think 15 passed, 12 went on through the uh, hiring process, and we ended up hiring three, which we're very you know, lucky that we got three. But we want to attempt to get more people to uh, establish eligibility lists. And lateral transfer, just to explain it, is an officer from another department that is certified in the state of Ohio that wishes to come and work for us and he's looking. Generally, it's a move up. You know, they're coming from a smaller department or uh, a bigger department that they want to get away from. Um, and they'll, they'll put an application in with us and then we'll establish the list, go through the same hiring process, We'll still uh, do our polygraphs, psychological tests, and background checks, and things of that nature. But it also gives us an opportunity to contact their supervisors and the people that they worked with in their uh, previous department or their current department to get a feel for, for what they're doing. Um, so it's a good program we're hoping. I don't think it rises to the level of a charter right. amendment. It's just them establishing new rules to establish the eligibility list. Um, and the only charter and it's article six <laughs> section four is increasing the uh the limits uh, that doesn't need council approval and i know that it's a necessity to have legislative oversight uh, when you're dealing with spending city funds but the problem is is that the cost of items the cost of equipment the cost of training have gone up and um, our our limits and our process has not uh, risen in a commensurate manner. Um, so I think that uh, it would be great if we could raise those limits. Um, it would help us streamline the process. My suggestion, and I don't want to speak for any other department head or commission uh, chairperson, but if we could raise it to about $6,000 to $10,000 specifically for the police department, that would allow us to uh, make the purchases for day-to-day -day equipment that, that we could use and, you know, we wouldn't have to bring before council. Chief, can you explain um, for the commission benefit, just kind of walk us through as if we're all totally new to civil service, how this works, um, how the civil service is helping find the, the candidates you mentioned the testing and the all the things that go into it and, and um, it may be the same for the fire department but I'll let him speak on it as well but just kind of walk us through that process of how it happens start kind of start to finish as, as best you can okay as best I can yeah. <laughs> uh, 
When we uh, determine a need to hire a new officer, uh, we will go to the mayor and ask him and uh, go to council to make sure that we can do it with the budget and everything. But once we determine the need, we'll go to civil service and ask them to commission a test. And uh, we usually use, uh, what's her name? Ramsey, thank you. <laughs> uh, Ramsey, uh, she does our she's done our police tests for over 20 years. Uh, unfortunately, she, she passed away, but I believe her company is still gonna be uh, working. So we asked them to establish a test. That company has been uh, providing police entrance exams for a long time, so uh, they, um, they are accepted and uh, they can defend their, uh, the applicability of their test to the police profession. So we'll, at, we'll contract her to come up with a test. Uh, Civil Service Commission will advertise the test. Uh, there are certain rules that they have to do to advertise it, but in today's job market, I, I don't know if you all would agree, but it's very difficult to get people in, so we have to go out and recruit, and uh, we have to market it and advertise even more than what's uh, listed in civil service. But they will market and advertise the test. Uh, they will establish um, an application process. They also establish the eligibility requirements that are needed for the entry-level uh, patrol officer. Uh, all that's published, it's put in the uh, advertisement, and uh, the city also publishes it. Once that's published, then uh, the civil service secretary, which is usually our uh, receptionist, she takes in the applications, dates them. Uh, usually there's some type of a system where you're, you get preference when you turn the application in. Uh, and it could, if you tie on the test, if you turned your application in first, you would be uh, ahead, you'd be uh, on top of the other person. Um, I'm sorry, I'll go back to the Civil Service Commission. They also establish extra credit, like if you're already a peace officer, you're certified through the state of Ohio, you get so many points. If you have a four-year degree, you get so many or percentage of points. If you uh, have an uh, associate's degree, you get so many points, military, uh, things of that nature. So they establish that as well. Um, so once they accept all the applications, we give the test, we establish a, um, we give some time for them to come in and challenge questions or answers if they think that the question wasn't right. Uh, there's a time frame for that. Once that's done, then the test scores will be, go before civil service and then they will certify the test scores. After that, then we can begin the, uh, the process and that includes um, polygraph, psychological testing, and interviews, panel interviews. They, uh, they approve the polygraph, they approve the psychological test, and they, you know, tell, they contract or they give the mayor and council the authority to uh, get into a contract with the companies that provide those tests. After that's done, uh, we get the funding, we send them out and schedule them for the tests, once the polygraphs come back and the psychologicals come back, then we'll come back before civil service and uh, then we'll certify the list. And if there's some issues where someone didn't pass a polygraph or you can't really pass or fail, but if they didn't do well in the polygraph or they didn't do well in the psychological, we will present that to civil service asking them, we do not want to pursue hiring this person. And then they can make a determination and vote whether they you know, stay on the list or not. Chief, real quick, when you, when you say uh, establish a list, so for the for the commission to understand, how many p 
people are they looking or is there a maximum or a minimum that has to be on a list as you guys are then looking to hire somebody? There's no maximum that can take the list, but to establish an eligibility list, uh, we have a one in 10 rule. So 10, we have to have 10 um, certified applicants on the list in order to select one. Now, we can go under 10 and the Civil Service Commission can authorize that to hire someone, but our general rule is one in 10. Uh, promotions are a little different, that's one in three. Uh, but yes, they have to establish at least 10 people. And then if we need more than one hire, then they would just establish the next person up. And that's how, it, it wouldn't be like, if we're gonna hire two, we have to establish 20. We would have to establish an 11 person list. Thank you. And understand that while he has a list that's established, these candidates are also taking these tests in other communities. So the chief may like the first member or the first candidate on the list, but by the time the chief contacts him, that pers person could be hired by the city of Garfield Heights. They, 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 when, when they take tests, they take tests more than, in more than one community. The problem that we currently have, and it's, it's, a, it's just a matter of our current society is, we used to get 100 to 125 candidates routinely for a, a police entrance exam. When the chief says he had 16 at the last, that's a lot of candidates. Wow. And, 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 and the chief's being proactive and so is the mayor. And so is, so is the police union with asking that we consider lateral transfers because there's plenty of police officers in this area that wish to transfer from where they are. And the benefit is they do have to, the detriment is they don't know our culture and the chief's uh, culture as far as what he's looking for for a Brexville policeman, but that can be learned. But they are already trained and somebody else has already paid for that training, including the initial training done by the, at the uh, uh, patrol. Um, School, what is it? The, the what academy. They call chief? The academy? The academy. Yeah, if we, get, if we get somebody on the list that the chief and the mayor agree is the the best candidate if that person's not trained we have to pay for the training for them to go to the academy and then when they come back when they are if they do get certification the treat the chief has to train them with what's called our fto our field officer training program so that they understand what they are to do in brexville uh, what the chief expects and the mayor expects as safety director of our our officers so this lateral transfer that the chief and the mayor have requested that the commission consider is an invaluable tool. Sometimes it does cost us more money because if I get a, a, a police officer out of the city of Cleveland who has been trained and been in the city for three years and is trained in a special area, that person may, also, may already have more vacation than our starting police officers. So sometimes to accept the lateral transfer, you have to make an exception on one of our benefits to get that person to come here. The chief's fortunate though that Brexville is a very um, desired um, city for police officers to transfer to um, because not only of our reputation of safety, but the way that the chief and his predecessors have run the department. Uh, and that, that plays into it. Um, so this is, a, this is a difficult area that the chief has because, to be honest with you, no one wants to be a police officer in today's world. It is probably the most difficult, and we all have certain difficulties in our, in our professional and our daily jobs, 
Nothing is more difficult than being a police officer out on that street in today's world. No doubt about it. Mr. Maddie, is, is there anything, as I look through this, is there anything in the, ch in the charter that would prevent us from lateral transfer hiring now? No, we, we need to have, we need to have, you need to have consensus from the police union and the Civil Service Commission because they have to give the chief some directive as to what rules he should file, follow. They're really the experts in that area. The chief can explain what his situation is, but they have to buy into that arena because if not, we're just going to get, you know, like the chief said, one to ten coming to us and a lateral won't be included in that. They have to adopt their rules to make that work. And that can be done through the rules of the Civil Service Commission. And that's that's what you're working on now, correct, yes. Chief? Yes. And uh, Chief, so on the list, like there's 10 on the list, are you mandated that you have to start at the top or can you pick any of those 10 to go after? We're mandated to go through the list and test each one, okay. both polygraph and psychological and interview. Uh, I don't know if the interview is mandated, but it's necessary. Um, but we have to start at the top and okay. go down. We're not mandated to hire one. Gotcha. We can hire 10 if we wanted to, the number 10 candidate. Gotcha. Um, we just hired three. Two were Cleveland police officers, and one was a part-time officer in a reminder bill. And they're working out very well right now. Good. And on the promotion level, for sergeant and lieutenant, it's one of three, and, and the chief and the mayor have total discretion, um, including interviews with who they want to hire at the one of three. So can you explain that process for a, a promotion? How does that go internally to, you know, move, move up, to, uh, you know, in rank? Once there's an opening through retirement or through attrition somehow, uh, then we'll go to civil service and request the test again. And Ramsey has provided our written tests. Uh, we could also do an assessment, you know, where um, the officers, we hire a company to come in and they're put through different professional type uh, things that they might in encounter as a sergeant or a lieutenant or the chief. And then they'll be graded on that by people that are experts in that field that are rank officers and that have nothing to do with the city of Brexville. So it's totally, uh, an not anonymous, but uh, you know, <coughs> they have no uh, connection or relationship. Um, after that, then, if usually we only have four sergeants and uh, two lieutenants, so the one and three rule doesn't go real far. And there are, they establish rules, and uh, also in our collective bargaining agreement, uh, there, there are rules in there too, where you have to be in a certain position for a certain amount of time before you're eligible. Right. Uh, like right now, we have a sergeant that doesn't have three years on, so he's not eligible to take any lieutenant's test. But once they have the test or whatever uh, measure that we want to use, it could be an assessment or, or something like that, then they're ranked one through however many took the test and then generally there's an interview and then after the interview um, the mayor and ultimately the mayor has authority but he listens to you know, i can speak for myself he listens to what you know i have to say and then uh, the lieutenants are also involved in sergeants uh, promotions but after that then we'll recommend this is who we think should be promoted civil service will listen to what we have to say and then they'll vote on it. And generally they follow, you know, they, they take our recommendations. And then that person is promoted. So besides being police trained, those sergeants and lieutenants who are in charge of shifts and in charge of the force, they have to be trained 
or they, the chief and the mayor as safety director have to have a comfort level that they can supervise other policemen. Just like the fire chief and his staff need to supervise, there's always somebody in charge of a shift. That sounds kind of easy, but if you get a situation that hits the police desk and they have a situation of somebody fleeing after they've committed a felony, decisions have to be made, and you read about it all the time in the paper, about chasing that individual, trying to apprehend that individual, and the safety of everyone around that individual who's fleeing. So these spur-of-the-moment decisions are probably the hardest for the, chief, for the, for the officers. No, Chief, as yes. far as they have to make a decision in seconds as to what to tell their people to do, and that takes a certain type of individual to be able to do that. And that's what these assessments, as the chief said, they run them through um, uh, examples and see what they would do or what their response is. That's because when they get into that position, they may never face it for 20 years, but they may face it for the first week that they're in that position. And they have to be able to not only keep the public safe, but keep themselves safe and everybody else around them. And it's a difficult decision sometimes. And it's always questioned. <laughs> it's always questioned because if something happens, they've done something wrong, or you know, no matter what they do, they have to have belief in what they're doing. And they're directing some of their other officers, which is a difficult thing to do when you put some of your other officers in danger. Uh, and, they, and, and we've had very good luck in that area, Chief, and we've had sure. very good luck with who has been the supervisors, and it's because of the, the program that the Chief and the Mayor and the Civil Service Commission put in place. Great. Thank you, Chief. Appreciate it. Does anybody have any questions for um, Chief of Police? Okay. Chief of Fire. Uh, all right. Your Thank show. You. <laughs> Your show now. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, allowing me the opportunity to come before the commission. My name is Nick Zamiska. I'm your fire chief here in the city of Brexel. I've been with the city for just over 20 years and uh, the chief for five. Uh, we operate a career department, meaning that we are a 24-hour operation, 365 days a year. Uh, we are staffed with three shifts, uh, an A shift, B shift, C shift, and each of those has a supervisor. And that supervisor has the rank of lieutenant. Uh, the lieutenant oversees the daily frontline decision-making like was just talked about uh, earlier with the police department. Comparable to a sergeant, uh, they're out in the field, they're running on EMS calls, fire calls. We provide not only fire protection for the city, but also emergency medical services. About 85% of what we do is actually EMS response uh, in the community. But we also do a lot of uh, technical rescue uh, with the park system, especially during COVID. We saw a huge rise in the park uh, usage of the park system. We had a lot of rescues uh, that took place. One of the neat things that we belong to um, in our area through the Southwest Council of Governments, there's 19 communities that uh, all pay into special operations teams. So on the police side of it, it's SEB and that's SWAT, uh, SWAT tactical medics, that type of thing. On our end, uh, it's rope rescue, hazardous materials response, uh, water rescue, those types of things. So we, it's very expensive to run those teams and no individual city can really um, reasonably afford that so we all contribute together for those high risk low frequency calls but we have a combination of full-time and part-time staff there's five firefighters on duty uh, at all times in the city 
when a full-timer is off, a part-timer uh, supplements staffing for that shift. Uh, we work really well with our neighbors uh, through mutual aid. So your average fire scene, we just had a fire uh, Sunday, um, and there were about 20 firefighters on the scene. So we, we work with the neighbors around us to assist, and we provide what's called mutual aid for them and, and vice versa. So it works uh, very well, and we work uh, through uh, protocols and medical direction as well. So on the EMS end, obviously that's the big, par um, big part in terms of run call volume that we do. So we operate under the direction of a medical director, and that medical director is Dr. Roars through Metro Health. And they authorize the medications we can give in the field, the procedures that we do, the training that we do, the continuing education that we receive. Uh, they, they provide the guidance for all of that. So we operate, uh, like I said, under the direction of the safety director. Uh, we, just like the police department, work through civil service uh, when there is a vacancy uh, for the fire department, um, as well, not only entry level, but as well as promotionals. Uh, the promotional exams, they are a little different. We, uh, we also have the one in three rule, like the police department. Uh, the civil service exam is a general knowledge test. The promotional exams, we pick um, our standard operating procedure, our protocols. We, per, uh, we choose supervisor-based books, uh, books like Buddy to Boss is a popular one that we, they study and they take an exam that's specific to uh, our department's needs, and then we can select one of those top three candidates for that promotion. Uh, we have a lot of equipment that we have to maintain. Uh, we work with a lot of departments uh, in the city. The, the chief mentioned several uh, that we work really well together with our police department um, when we're fortunate that they do come to our incidents. Uh, we work a lot with the service department and other departments during emergencies that re, um, are related to natural disasters. So a lot of times, um, Bigger communities might have an emergency management division. Uh, we work together with all of our departments, police, fire, service, uh, with the, the mayor, safety director. When there is a big incident, like a storm, uh, we provide alerts. We provide testing, like the code red system you might be familiar with. Uh, maintenance of the tornado sirens, the service department helps with that. Um, so we kind of take that emergency management side as well as the uh, fire and EMS side of things. Um, just looking at my notes here. We apply for a lot of grants. We do several um, inspections. So we not only inspect businesses, but we'll do home inspections for adoptions. We'll do event inspections to make sure, you know, their exits are open, uh, fire extinguishers are, are good and operating. So we spend a lot of time out in the field. For example, today we were at um, Marathon on the south end of town doing training with their emergency response team. Uh, tomorrow we'll be at Human Services for their senior wellness fair. So we, we take a lot of our time doing outreach programs. Um, Ice Cream Social was a recent one that uh, we did as well with the community. Um, we have a Firefighters Association. Uh, the Firefighters Association is a nonprofit, 501c3, and the funding from that association goes towards high school scholarships, uh, safety town programs, uh, stickers, fire helmets, fire prevention material. Uh, and finally, we do a lot of training. Uh, we are required by the state of Ohio Division of EMS to do uh, 96 hours of continuing education every three years, and then we do 48 hours of fire training uh, that we're required to in that three-year cycle as well, just to keep up on all the different changes that are out there. Uh, I think when I started, uh, there was maybe a dozen different medications uh, that we gave in the field. I think now there's, we triple that. Um, we are, we are giving medications that, that 
that really are life-saving and some of them are, are pretty potent so we have to make sure that we're on top of you know how those work and what their side effects are and what to look out for so a lot of continuing education we're very fortunate to work uh, with Metro Health uh, on our EMS side when you're looking to hire are you also the one in ten like the police yeah, exactly so uh, the same exact um, process set as process thank you uh, one of the things that we do sometimes civil service will go out and see they'll interview uh, companies like Ramsey um, there's some others that have been in the past uh, Ramsey has been the one most recently over the years that is you know has been selected as a testing company but it's the same exact process okay. do either of you um, have any issues or comments towards the actual charter under the Civil Service Commission that you think need to be addressed at, at all nothing I, I do not okay I Chief? think it works it works okay. well in my experience okay um, does anybody on the Commission have any questions for fire chief Zemiska or any comments relating to um, the Civil Service Commission section here section 10 hey chief um, related to article 6 Section four. This was something that was addressed by a few other department has the the three thousand dollar expenditure limit. Um, some folks have said it's okay. Some would like that increased. Uh, can you opine? Give us your thoughts on what may work well for the fire department. Yeah, I I, I concur that uh, with what the chief said. Police chief said, um, you know, cost of everything has gone up, and uh, I seeing you know somewhat of an increase I don't have a dollar amount that comes to mind maybe somewhere in the vicinity of you know five thousand something like that seventy five hundred a little more than what we have now I think would be um, beneficial to making things more streamlined get in terms of getting things ordered more quickly okay thank you thank you and real quick question what type of things meaning you know what would by raising the limit how what would help you like what on what types of purchases would yeah, that, that's a good question. So, for example, if a vehicle um, has a maintenance issue okay. uh, that that we could send out right now, our vehicles we're fortunate to have a good, a really good fleet and backup apparatus. But for instance, there's a lot of cases where where I've seen we're in that three thousand dollar range, right around three thousand, uh, maybe a little more, where we can um, just get that approved right away. Let the the selected vendor know. Um, that we're good to go move on to get that apparatus fixed so vehicle maintenance uh, is a big one for uh, speaking for our department um, when it comes to council approvals um, so that that's example that oh, came thank to you mind. that's very helpful there's some things in the in the law enforcement end that are sole source providers so it's not like you can't you can't like tasers I'll take that as an example you can't go out for bid there's only one company that makes them and we utilize them as a as a tool um, I just recently had to purchase two because two had uh, gone out of warranty. They still function, but I wanted to get two to make sure that you know we're covered. And that was about a $4,000 purchase. Um, now council has always uh, backed us up. They've always made sure that we get the equipment that we need, but we still have to prepare it and you know get the quote and and do everything where if we needed it we could just order it and four thousand dollars we would approve it the mayor could approve it and then we could buy it that would be my example that's a great example thank you and then, Laura is there anything on council where let's say fire 
police, they need something, like need it now. Is there any process within city council that it can be, the expenditure could happen and then approval could happen afterwards or it, it doesn't work that way at all? Well, we typically, if something was an emergency, we would typically have to have a special meeting. And um, we recently, I can't, we recently needed to have a special meeting um, and there was a expenditure that needed to be approved for, I think an elevator at the Human Services Center, don't quote me true. exactly. You're right. <laughs> mm -hmm. okay. It was to set um, this commission, was the special meeting. To set this commission. Oh yeah. Okay. So we had to vote on getting you all appointed to this commission by September first. Yes. <clears throat> Just so happened that something happened at the human services. <coughs> we needed to get an expenditure approved. It was greater than three thousand dollars. We lopped it onto that meeting. Now, if we had to have a special meeting to get something done, we'll we'll do it. So that's the process at this point in time um, to be able to take care of you know something. I I can think of maybe on one hand that we've had to do that in my 10 going on 11 years of okay. So it really, um, it really, the, the administration does a great job of being prepared well in advance of when they need things approved. There are occasions where we have to have that. Yeah, and I was thinking more of a transmission goes out on one of your, on your pumper truck or something like that, and all of a sudden it could take a week to get Approval. We're usually, we're fortunate. We have triple redundancy in, a, okay. in our ambulances and fire trucks where we can, we can typically wait the two to three weeks uh, between a meeting. So we're, we're fortunate in that aspect. Okay, thank you. We did have an occasion where two cars were involved in an accident and they were out and I think another one had a engine problem. <coughs> we weren't in that emergency mode, but we were getting close. Right. <laughs> and we would have been, hey, but... That, that's close to what you were saying. Right. Mine is not the ordinary, right, but the exceptional. Right, right, right. And, and in the exceptional, like in some ways it would be better to be able to make the expenditure a little quicker if it was truly the exceptional. Any other comments or questions from the commission on this section? Thank you both. Yeah, no, thank you guys. Yeah. I appreciate all your information. It was very helpful. Thank you for letting us... Uh, present <laughs> okay great and then um hearing nothing else on section 10 um the last section in article 5 is section 11 which is the residence qualifications um as you'll see uh, or as you know all of these boards and commissions um in order to serve on them you have to be a resident for um not less than than two years uh prior to the commencement of your term um I think on, and I know we've talked about this and we'll continue to talk about resident stuff uh, as, as respects mayor council. Um, my opinion on this one would be, um, I wouldn't suggest making any changes to that because the boards and commissions traditionally have been a great way for people who perhaps have an interest in the future in running for a, an elected position um, to get involved in, in something with the city to see how things work, um, meet and learn some of the, you know, the people involved in the city, um, work with the public in, in these boards and commissions, and, um, you know, having it at, at two years for those positions, I think, makes sense because then they can serve for a couple of years um, 
you know, before they mm-hmm. decide to, to run for office. In fact, I'd be willing to bet the vast majority of council members currently and in the past um, probably started in some sort of aspect of a volunteer on one of these boards and commissions. Um, it used to be the joke that the rec commission was the route to council because I think about six or seven folks came through there over the last, I don't know, 30 years or so. But um, again, that would be my opinion on that as opposed to the elected positions um, that you know we may discuss um, you know, here as we go after we get through everything. Um, does anybody have comments, questions on section 11? Just more, more of a comment. I mean, we talked about some of these commissions having people that have been on 15, 20 years, and it would be a shame to ask them to leave and, and so forth. And I, I, I agree with you, uh, Chairman, that two years is probably a good way to get people involved. Um, I just hope, you know, like any organization, for-profit, non-profit, always be thinking about succession planning, right? So, you know, if we're looking at the planning commission and everyone on the planning commission is... 65 years old you know maybe it's time we start to look to bring in some younger residents that can kind of work with them for a while have that tribal knowledge transfer if you will and you know continue on so um just more of a comment for laura and whoever whoever wants to listen to me so (laughs) yeah i think council typically does a pretty good job with that um you know they as new council members come on they typically have you know, people that they know in the community, a different sect of the community that, um, you know, may have people who've expressed interest. Um, and then as those, as certain terms are coming up, you know, with with new, um, the new dynamics on council every couple of years, you know, a new person, it, it, it spurs those conversations of, you know, hey, I, I know a, a great architect who just moved into town a couple of years ago, and he, I think he'd be great on the planning commission. And oh, someone you know, has been there a long time, or someone doesn't want to do it anymore, and that's kind of how it, you know, typically goes. So, um, Laura. Yeah, no, I, I, your point's well taken, and it's always um, something that you know. We're, so we get resumes, and we, you know. Generally speaking, when if there's an opening, the first thing we do is go back to look at the most recent ones that came in. You know, because a lot of times, you know, there's multiple good candidates for a position, and you know, ultimately you pick one. And sometimes it's super close, and you know, there's not any. So we we keep that you know ongoing list, but it's you know it's no different than. Um, you know the chief knowing what his you know who's coming up for retirement in the next one two three however many years you go out because you're constantly thinking about that and we try to also look at that for boards and commissions and, and not get surprised now someone moved right my fans who unfortunately just recently left um, bought a house outside of the community so we had to replace a spot that was um you know that was unexpected so but we try to stay on top I have a question. Has there ever been discussion about adding like an advisor or a consultant to a committee for those that have been a member, you know, a voting member for 10, 15, 20 years to move into that type of position and then to free up a voting member for maybe a more novice person to join the commissioner committee? Has that ever been 
you mean more like post. A, like a training, like someone who would be more of an like a mentor, yeah, advisor, yeah. consultant to a commission or committee. I'm not aware so, that that's okay. that's happened. Mm -hmm. And again, usually in these boards and commissions, you know, you have a lot of people with experience, mm -hmm. and as one older experienced person moves on, you fill in with kind of a newbie, but yet they're still five, six with a lot of experience, similar to council, maybe not as much in the current council because there's a lot of, you know, new faces, but typically, you know, you'll have anywhere from 20 to 25 years worth, uh, you know, a couple of people on a, on a border commission or a council in particular that, you know, are there and then a new guy comes in or a new gal comes in and they kind of learn the ropes. And then as that person goes off, you know, it, it it sort of backfills its its way in, so um, I don't know. In, in in actual experience, I don't think there's ever been an issue with, you know, oh my gosh, we have six planning commission people who this is their first meeting ever. Like that would not ever be the case. Um, and I, I think the yeah 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 as as well as um, you know the depth of the administration that is part of all of these you know boards and or participated in the processes, right? So zoning has, you know, I'm not, Steve Sinek, who's been part of, you know, the building department forever and, you know, is just great. And you pick up the phone and you, if you have a question, you pick up the phone and you call Steve or planning commission, you know, it was Scott Packard who, you know, was handling it before Monica Barkowitz was hired. But you pick up the phone and you, you call anyone, you, have, you know, we have open policies to be able to talk to the administration um, when we have questions certainly we try not to take up too much of their time obviously but they're, they're I've got everybody's cell phone and I try not to use it but, you know, if we need it we, we use it so it's a very good legal group so we don't leave no one really gets hanging I mean I guess Beth you're the newest member in the crew so hopefully you would echo those no I would agree with you it's a very um open um, and you're encouraged to ask I feel encouraged to ask questions and mm -hmm. I get very prompt responses um, uh, I spent um, two half days actually um, with Ron Weidig where he showed me all the buildings all the grounds all the things in, I mean they'll do whatever um, you know is necessary to help you understand so it is um, very open Anything else on any of these sections so far? Mike? So um, I didn't see it in here, and I believe it was mentioned earlier, but the telecommunications is not addressed by charter. It was something created. Having served on the telecommunications committee, and Beth, you could jump in and agree or deny, but you know, I think it served a very specific purpose before. I'm not sure if it serves the same purpose or necessity that it has now, the telecommunications, com I don't know if it's a committee or commission. Commission, uh, Commission. Yeah. Um, basically oversees the cable television franchise. franchise fees for the city mm -hmm. um, and one of the recommendations thoughts would be replacing it or renaming it to a communications commission so one of the things I don't think we have in the city at this point is a, a communications commission to help communicate with our constituents communicate with the city etc um, whenever we need to whether it's about stressful situations, events that have happened, um, 
et cetera. So I don't know if that would be something to address in the charter or if that's by ordinance and by council, but my, one of my thoughts that I think the city needs is a, some, a communications commission of some type to help the council, mayor, employees reach out to the constituency of our, our city effectively and expeditiously. Um, so you chime in that, but I mean, I think, um, you know, we're, Beth and I and the mayor have been talking about, you know, the next life thereof of the telecommunication commission. So um, that's something that's on our agenda to try to make better use of either, you know, put pieces of that that still need to be monitored elsewhere within the community. I think we're still trying to figure out what the right, you know, what the right thing to do is, if it's reconstituted or if it's, you know, absorbed somewhere else. So that's relative to telecommunications. And that's really the council and the administration to, you know, make that recommendation. I don't think that that needs to be part of the charter. That's my opinion. And then your comments relative to communication, I mean, those fall under, you know, the mayor's roles of managing the, you know, the communication efforts for the cities. And I don't know that, um, I mean, you know, we don't need to put something in the charter to improve something. So I think that would just be my comment relative to that. If there's a, a need to improve, you know, an aspect of the community, then, you know, we take that under advisement. And, and I don't know that that's necessary to put it in the charter to be able to improve something. Yeah, my question with that is, it seems like all the commissions are in the charter, except somehow. So I go back to consistency of naming. Well, um, and that, David, that's what I was gonna ask you is. Michael, the and in and, and all deference to the members of the current um, telecommunications committee, we used to have a lot of control over Correct. cable, et cetera, as a, as a municipality. The state has absolutely taken that over. And if council wants to, it really should remain where it is because if council wants to change the framework of that committee it's a lot and the and the purpose it's a lot easier to do by ordinance than by charter and once you put it in the charter until you remove it we have to have that telecommunications committee it's not needed it, it's just not needed in today's world now if council wants to change that that's up to them as far as if they want to change the function and they think that that committee can have another purpose it's easier to do by ordinance but to address Jessica's question of training, other communities don't have trainees, but what they have is alternates. So if we have a five member board, there could be inserted in the charter two alternates. The purpose being not only bringing in new people, but if we have four or five members of a commission available and a fifth member is on vacation, one of those alternates could sit in on that meeting and be a regular member of the commission, whether it be BZA or planning commission, for that meeting to make decisions. It's, it's more fair to an applicant to have an entire board make a decision because it requires a majority of that board. So if you have, five, if you have a five member board and only four are there, that applicant still needs three votes to get a recommendation. If you're short a member, it really is up to the applicant whether they want to go forward or not or wait till the next meeting. If you had two alternates for each one of those boards, you could, whoever the secretary is, could make sure that there are five members available for that meeting. So that would fit your trainee idea, but it would require two more 
members of each of those boards to serve as alternates. And then you might have somebody already in that capacity of understanding of what that commission or board does when somebody leaves. That would, that would fit your idea if you wish to pursue that. Okay, thank you, Dave. I've jotted that one down too as a potential discussion topic. Um, so one last quick thing, Greg. Go ahead. So, and Laura, I guess my point is, is I feel like a, if it's something's called a commission and it's related to the charter, call it a commission. And if it's uh, if it's a telecommunications committee or something, call it a committee. I don't know if that makes it easier for the city or not. I I thought everything that was a commission was in the charter, and because it is the telecommunications commission, not telecommunications committee. It's just um, as I read through all this stuff for the first time. No, no, I I, I understand your point. You're looking. Um, I'm looking for consistency right. across the organization and what we call things. Right. And so certainly if you guys want to want to consider that. No, I'm not saying sure. it's a charter thing. I think, I think it gave council the ability to do both, to, um, to create commissions and yeah. committees. So it's in here that they can do it. Correct. And I guess the ones that are in here are the, Again, I don't want to use the word most important, the ones that the city must have to operate, and then the council can from time to time right. create a commission like the it was important to have telecommunications for a while. And it would if it takes a commission that it's harder to get it out of the charter right. once Agreed. it's no longer necessary. The other thing on the rec recreation commission, prior to there being a recreation department, that was the recreation department so to speak Correct. so that's why that was in there and you know had it been drawn up in today's day and age you may not have a recreation commission listed in the charter right it would have been something done by committee or by council yeah i mean council would set it up like they did telecommunications or department of human services uh, re, uh advisory board and you know things like that so you know Real quick, sorry. Back to the alternates for commissions. Is this commission the only one that actually states alternate in within the charter? That. Yes. Okay. Because I was trying to go through really quickly, and you Rob, said. Rob. Rob Holub is unique. <laughs> <laughs> First time take, I've heard that. Not to take away your uniqueness. <laughs> and that was just added, was it not, Dave? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That was my ten next, years that ago. Was, that was my yes. next question. Okay. Very good, Stephanie. Yep. Okay. Yep. Only one See, I, I did my homework. Yes, I did you read. Sure did. <laughs> you did. And Rob's still with us. And then other communities, they do name an alternate. Yes. And most, then this would be something. Most, most that I'm aware of, uh, if they do have that, have two. Two. And okay. some of them you have to have qualifications. Like some of them you have to be an architect or an engineer. Um, some of them you don't. Um, um, so you have to you have to consider that. Okay. But um, it does work well. Uh, so that the full commission on that evening, when somebody needs a decision, they have the right to the, you know, to the entire board or commission to vote. Okay. Do the are the alternates required to attend all the meetings? No. Okay, because no. I'm just some thinking do, of a volunteer. Some do, some do to, to observe so that they understand the process. Uh, but once they understand the process, if they're trained in their particular field, uh, it's just a matter of uh, you know them attending when needed. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a way to get yourself involved in, in community service, and it is a way to see if you like that. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, then you could, you know, step back. But rather than have a trainee who is part of a, 
you know, a routine on a regular basis, they would get their training on, you know, um, a, mm -hmm. a, a if needed basis. And then one more question. So if you add an alternate or two alternates to all the commissions, that could be achieved by one blanket amendment adding uh, no, or no? I, you'd, you'd have, have to specifically to, you'd, you'd, go through. You'd have to go, you'd, uh, Stephanie, you'd have to go commissioner board by each, by eh. each one okay. because some may need it more than another. Okay. Um, I, I don't know how better to explain that, but some, um, some may fit better with alternates than another. Okay. And, and Planning Commission and BZA would probably be your two primary yeah. first targets if you were going to do something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I don't know that Recreation Commission right. would necessarily need right. need an alternate. That makes sense. You know, in, in my experience. I don't, they're I not, can't speak they're not voting on something that the citizenship is coming to. So right, and they're not they're voting. They're more the sounding board. They're not so voting on anything yeah. that's going to go forward to council. Right, so. Well, my fees. Hey, that's true. That's true. This year, the commission recommended expanding the non-resident mm -hmm. memberships for the community center. Mm -hmm. um, so that was definitely something that was vetted heavily at the Recreation Commission and then recommended to council okay. with the support of the Recreation Commission. So it's not but, as... It's not as yeah, their things, though, aren't necessarily... time. They're not time-sensitive issues. Yeah, I mean, if... if the BZA or Planning Commission, like those things need to be voted on. Typically that night, yes. Recreation Commission, oh, yes. we can push the fee discussion to July when everyone's here or whatever, you know, or what have you. So, just to quick, and I just, opinion. I didn't mean it wasn't important. I just meant that it's not landowner, homeowner from Cinnabar right. coming and needing yeah. approval. Yeah, exactly. Dan? Yeah, just a quick comment on the alternate. I mean, not only does it provide an immediate um, way to vote on something if someone is out of town or sick or what have you, but the comment I had earlier about kind of bench strength, right, and getting more people involved for when those people that have served their 15, 20 years want to no longer do it, you've got someone that now has been involved, has some familiarity. So I think it's worth mm -hmm. considering for at least some of these commissions, if not all of them. Yep. I have it noted down. Thank you. Good, good thoughts. Anything else uh, on Section 11 or 8, 9, 10 while we're at it? Nothing? Okay. Uh, the, then the next item on the agenda, just uh, other matters deemed appropriate, Commission Roundtable. Um, I'll just note that um, we have our next meeting November 29th at 630. Um, that will be... Uh, on, on the agenda will be the discussion for the Board of Zoning Appeals, which will wrap up Article 5, and then um, we'll be discussing Article 6, and the uh, purchasing director um, will be here for that. Um, and she is also, I think everyone has a copy. If not, we'll, you'll have it prior to the next meeting, a copy of her um, notes that, that she put together um, as far as uh, the finances and things like that are concerned and as respects her department. Um, are there any other matters that are appropriate or commission roundtable that anybody needs to uh, talk about here before we get ready to move on? Okay. Mr. Chairman? Yes, Mr. Matty. Uh, my homework assignments. Ah, yes. Um, first, law director, municipal experience. One out of eight 
in the Northeast Ohio, one out of eight communities have experience levels as to prior municipal experience. Um, two have a two-year, one has a three-year. Of the other 24 communities, they have no experience required in the municipal area. In the area of virtual meetings, the only community that has implemented virtual community or virtual meetings is the City of Independence. They've done that by ordinance, they've done that for their council, and they've left it up to the boards and commissions if they wish to do that. So there's only one community going forward with virtual meetings as of this point in time. The bigger, the, the, the simultaneous decision that has to be made if you decide to go down that road in the charter, no matter how narrow the focus is, we have to have the ability to have communication with the residents at the time of the meeting. You can't have residents sending in questions for answering after the meeting. It has to be done during the meeting. And of course, Zoom is one of those opportunities where you can actually physically see not only the residents who are asking questions, but you could see our people who are voting and their discussion of those issues at the same time as it's happening. Now, I'm not aware that we have that capacity now, but it would have to proceed any types of meetings held that way. So it's a bigger decision than I thought from your discussion, if you want to narrow it, if you wish to go that route and you want to narrow it as to when it can be used, you have to also make sure that the community is ready to use it if you pass such a charter amendment. And I believe the City of Independence hired a special IT company to make sure that that could be done, especially in the area of their boards and commissions where plans are shown and plans are part of the discussion um, that's, that's an important factor to consider. Um, so that's my homework for the last meeting. I have a question for clarification. So are all of their meetings virtual or is that just contingency that it's virtual? Um, all of their meetings can be virtual. They can and be. And they do, okay. they do publish, some of their boards and commissions publish virtual notices and it does appear that they are conducting virtual meetings. Hmm. Um, and, and I, um, I did not have time to see how many they have that way, um, but it does seem to be that the authority in their ordinance allows them all to do that. Thank you, Thank you Dave. Thank you. Anything else for Commission Roundtable? Okay. And then uh, there's obviously no public here, so um, no public discussion <laughs> and comments. Um, <laughs> and then with that, I will make a um, motion to adjourn this evening's meeting. Do I hear a second? Second. Okay, meeting, or meeting. Motion by Scaljack, second by Bartos. Roll call. Bartos? Yes. Fender? Yes. Berlin? Yes. Gavlik? Yes. Lesh? Yes. Mansfield? Yes. Scaljack. Yes. Peter Clow. Yes. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you after Turkey Day. Meeting adjourned.